Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Podcast Royal. This is Jessica, and this week Rachel and I are skipping our usual Royal Rundown segment, but we do want to bring you an interview we recorded with Royal author Angela Levin. We'll be back with all the latest Royal news in our next episode, but until then, enjoy the interview. We are thrilled to have on the show today, Angela Levin, a royal biographer, award-winning journalist, and one of the foremost experts on the royal family. If you follow the royal family, you have no doubt heard her name. She's written for The Observer, The Daily Mail, The Mail on Sunday, and The Telegraph, and appears frequently worldwide on TV and radio, including Sky News, BBC Four and Two, GB News, Sky Australia, and many more. She is here today to discuss her latest book, Camilla, From Outcast to Queen Consort, which is out now in the UK and out February 7th in the US. We had a great in-depth episode about the king a couple of times, but this is the first time we focused an interview solely around the queen consort, and I'm really excited to dive into her life a little bit. Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm really pleased to be here. Your last book about the royal family centered around Prince Harry. Now it's all about Camilla. So what compelled you to choose her as your next royal to profile? I thought that the animosity towards her that had lasted several years was slowly getting less and less. And I thought that um, it would be good to interview her and see for myself what I think she's really like. So I wrote for Newsweek um, in 2015, and I was amazed uh, to find what a wonderful woman she was, how modest and how she cared so much for people who had problems and weren't really looked at before by the Royal Palace, and that includes rape and and things like that. She's moved on to domestic violence now. It's a very key one with her. Um, And I thought that was a very brave thing to do, something that was really necessary, but something that the um, formal members of the royal family would rather feel a bit too, would would feel a bit embarrassed about it and and Mm -hmm. wouldn't want to go into those things. 
So well, I um, decided I'd like to write a, a biography and uh, I got on with it. Well, I have, okay, so I actually want to throw in an ad-lib question here that I wasn't planning on asking because you've been in the same room as the queen consort. What is it like to be in her presence? Because you write in the book that she is authentic and that she hasn't changed at all throughout her 30 plus years of being in the public eye. The book is a very positive look at the queen consort. You write about her famous sense of humor, that she is disarming. She's well studied and she does her research for her work as a senior royal, but even that she embraces aging. I love that. So I, this is, this is going to end up being a two-part question. The first part, I'd love to know, what is it like to be in the room with her? It's incredibly easy. She has a warmth that emanates straight away. And she often starts the conversation with a joke. She may think, think it through earlier. or She just wants you to feel relaxed with her. She's not superior she doesn't make you feel uncomfortable or inferior. And she will talk um, very openly. Um, she's also very modest. She also wants to know about you. I had to be careful that I didn't talk about myself because I was there, hmm. you know. The journalists know that, you know, the person you're yeah. talking to can ask you about you and you come away with very little. But, um, yes, she's, she's very, very easy to be with. And also, she never forgets you. Um, she, whenever I went with an engagement with her um, from 19, 2015 to 2020, um, she would recognize me immediately. If I was there with loads of other journalists, she would still come up to me and say, oh, hello, Angela, how are you? Is this feeling mm. better? You feeling better? She remembers who you are. And... I also spoke to a lot of people who knew her, fr early friends, um, people who are running charities, whether she just came and cut a ribbon and said, oh, this is very, you know, terrible, you know, you have my good wishes, or whether she actually did things, and um, people who knew her in all different forms. And what was very interesting is that most people who write biographies have to put anyone royal as an aide as somebody who's close to the royal family. And everyone said that I could use their name. So I could say things that were honest from them mm. with their name. And I thought that gave the book credibility. Yeah, I did notice that actually, because, you know, we read a lot of royal biographies around here and it's usually a palace source, an aide. But yeah, you're right. They're everyone was by name. And my follow-up to that question is I, I really walked away from reading this book thinking Camilla is someone I would like to know. And I'll be honest with you. I have had a little bit of a battle getting over. I mean, I'm just one of those people that's taking me time to accept that she's becoming queen consort, which I need to, because she's going to with, with or without my approval. But I would love to know one thing as her biographer that you wish the world knew or understood about Camilla, because Camilla has been in the public eye for, as I said, nearly 40 years. A lot of it has been negative press, especially in the past. And so what is one thing that you wish the world knew that maybe is misunderstood about her? One of the things is that she doesn't push herself forward. She doesn't really like to be in the spotlight. 
So when difficult things happen or people are nasty, she retreats. Um, even that what they allege of her happened, she is a huge reader and she escapes by reading something. Um, and that gives her strength. She also has a very strong backing with family and friends. When she um, stayed in her home with the paparazzi would bang on the door and shout at her and she was called the worst woman in the country. She just thought, you know, things will pass. The key to the, all of that is that she really loves King Charles. Mm -hmm. When they met, she was 24, he was 22, and they just, they just fell in love. But because she wasn't a virgin, the heir to the throne couldn't marry somebody like that. So all these tangles came afterwards, but she never stopped loving him and he's never stopped loving her. You see, when they're together, it's very touching. They, they have an ease and humor and um, they both help each other relax. Well, speaking of Camilla and Charles, you write that her life is comprised of two very different parts, the before and after she and Prince Charles married in 2005. So what is that dividing line in her life? The dividing line is that she has far more restrictions now, whereas before she um, could do what she liked, really. She could pop to the local supermarket. She could go and see a film with a friend. She could go and have a, a quick two days away with a friend. Um, but I think once you've married the future king, that you have to modify what you do. You need somebody to protect you when you go out. You have to dress in a different way. She's very comfortable in uh, tracksuit trousers and, a, and a, a baggy jumper. She's a country girl. She's not somebody who wanted to dress immaculately all the time and have her hair done and her makeup. She was out there walking. King Charles loves walking. She's a very country woman too. Um, and of course, she then had to dress respectably all the time. And it took her um, a long time to work out what her taste was in, in clothes. She wanted to be uh, approachable and do the right thing all the time but she didn't want to be too fancy and she wanted to dress for a woman of her age she didn't want to try and look as if she was 25. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well you can say whatever you want about Charles and Camilla but there is as you said no way to deny that this is a true love story. Charles you write this in the book would not be who he is today without her and this is going to be a controversial opinion of mine but I, I truly believe it. As much as I love Princess Diana, I really do. I don't believe that she was the right partner for Charles and Camilla is. And she obviously loves this man and he, her, otherwise they would not have ever put up with the enormous amount of ridicule they've undergone to stay together. And as much of a bias as maybe I once had towards Camilla, I find it truly so romantic that after his divorce, Charles told his mother and the firm, that Camilla is a non-negotiable for me. I need her. And, you know, Camilla and Charles met 50 plus years ago in the early 1970s. They were, as you said, in love back then. But in the, in the way that you phrased it about her being a virgin is just so disturbing and so grateful that we've moved past that in the, 
in the royal family, but you write their relationship was unable to be sanctioned due to the protocol of the time. So basically Camilla wasn't the right woman that the firm was looking for the heir to marry. So let's say Charles and Camilla met, obviously now it would be okay, but let's say Charles and Camilla met 20 years later in the 1990s or in the early 2000s. Do you think by then they would have been able to marry as I think they always wished to do? I think if the Queen, Queen Elizabeth, um, had been around, I think that would have been very difficult because she was a woman who stood by the rules, the protocols. Um, it's actually after the 15th that I think that the protocols have softened a bit. Um, she did try and keep up with the times, but I think that with the heir to the throne, it would have been quite difficult. Um, also, uh, King Charles had to have an heir, and um, if it was that older, I think it would have been quite difficult for them to have had a child, and the Queen would have been um, terribly worried about that, because her whole aim is to be is to keep the monarchy going. Let me just say that um, Prince Charles went to see his parents and said that she was um, he, she was going to be with him regardless. Mm -hmm. And it's the first time he really ever crossed them. Um, he was always wanting to please. And um, this was the one thing that they that he refused to do to give her up. And that's why they one of the reasons that they softened. And also with Diana, I think it's very important to say that Charles was being nagged to get married. He was over mm -hmm. 30, he had to find heirs. And it was a plot between Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, and um, Diana's uh, grandmother, Lady Fermoy. Mm -hmm. And they actually worked together that this would be a very good thing. They knew that Diana had huge difficulties. She was already self-harming. She was emotionally up and down like a yo-yo because she had a very, very difficult, unpleasant childhood. Um, and they had absolutely nothing in common. So um, they got engaged after 13 dates, which were mainly right. dinners. Um, very hard, very hard. Can you tell us what Charles and Camilla's marriage is like? Well, I mean, I'm not there when they have <laughs> um, intimate times, I can assure you. <laughs> I think that they they like each other's company. I remember I was invited to uh, things for writers and journalists just after the COVID curfew was lifted. There were about 300 of us there and she was going around talking to almost everybody and she was waiting for King Charles to come because he had two earlier engagements to do and he came running in, not quite at the last minute, but the last sort of half hour and the look on her face and his delight that she was looking like that, oh, it would make you cry, really. Mm. He, he bent over backwards to be there for her because mm. he knew that that was very important. And she wanted him to be there with her. 
Um, and I think it was it's small things like that that and their ease together and their jokes. They've got a, a very similar sense of humour, and you know they have been known to get the giggles when they're somewhere. Um, and it just I remember he went off again soon after COVID. He went to Greece to celebrate celebrate to. 100 years of something I can't remember offhand and it was freezing it was about February or March and he asked for a blanket and he tucked her in in a seat you know mm. both sides he didn't want her to get cold I mean that's not something that the royals would have done years earlier because you mustn't show if you're cold you've got to sit upright and you've mm -hmm. got to behave but you know he he put her first he didn't want her to catch a cold and I thought that that was incredibly uh, moving as well so there's always been those sort of things that are natural instinctive that mm -hmm. overcome any of the pomp and circumstance of what they're doing yet you know when we had the queen's funeral and the, the Duke of Edinburgh's funeral, you could see they were solidly together and they were immaculately behaved. Of course they would be, but they didn't start sort of um, whispering with each other or holding hands or, you know, looking in each other's eyes. It was being inappropriate, so they didn't do it. But they were there as one, actually. They were there as one. Again, say what you want about Charles and Camilla, but this is a love story. I mean, this is the kind of love story that I think all of us aspire to. And you write, I think the royal family and the public are lucky to have her and hope that readers will put aside the weight of media bias over the past 25 to 30 years and take a fresh look at our future queen consort. So what would you say to someone, maybe like me of five years ago, who just can't erase 1990s Camilla from their mind? That's very interesting you ask me that. Um, I sometimes get well, lots of compliments from people, but I sometimes get people who write to me and say, email me and say, I can't understand it. You know, Diana was wonderful. How how could she take over from her? But it's it's not like that. I mean, they never had a chance because they had nothing in common. Um, I think you have to realise as well that they stopped seeing each other for, I think, about eight years. They agreed that they could not do that when Charles married Diana. And after she had her second uh, affair with her protection officer, um, the, the marriage was all over. And um, Charles's friends, not Charles, Charles's friends were terribly worried about him because he was so low. He felt very guilty that he couldn't get through to her and that she would scream at him and sometimes hit him. And um, they, they rang Camilla and said, will you help him because we're really worried. It wasn't either of them who made that phone call. And she did. And he has said that she's the only person he can really trust. And so they became friends and they went on uh, from there. I mean, Diana and Charles split up before they um, got together uh, properly. Um, and I would say that we need to move on. Diana was a wonderful person. She did great things with people. Um, and she was very warm for people who, small people, old people. She could really relate to people. But she did have a damaged, damaged side of her. 
And it's not fair really to blame Camilla for that. And um, it's also important to look at what she's done for the royal family. The Queen didn't want to speak to her, but she saw over time that she was totally dedicated to the royal family and the country and the Commonwealth, that she made a huge difference from Charles. He was quite um, annoyed about everything. Uh, but when she was there, he was much more positive. He was more relaxed. And she's made the king um, more king. He will do very well. Even Prince Philip, his father, said that he needs her because with her, he will be a much better king. And he agreed with the Queen originally that she was wrong, but they could see how much work she put in. And the the other things she's really brought on, apart from domestic violence, which she really thought through during COVID and understood that people who didn't like each other to stay together, locked away really, unable to get out was hell. And she did all sorts of things to help the charity, help these people. And also with old people, she was very good contacting them. And I think people could see that she did really care for the people in a very good way. And that she's got this warmth and humor and determination to bring things on, taking advantage of her status now to make positive change. Uh, she's also keen on literacy. That was not thought about the royal family. She goes around the country, around the world, trying to encourage people to read. And she does it with such fun. Um, mm. She gets the author along, they have a party, they have chocolate, hot chocolate to drink. They sometimes get animals there and, um, uh, to tie in with the with the story. And they take some around with, on a bus with the author standing there and chatting to all the little children. So it's not just sitting there say, here's a story. She tries to make it fun and mm. something that the children and parents would really like. Well, I was surprised to learn that Prince Andrew in particular had a real dislike for Camilla. And I don't know how often people really consider the relationship between those two. So could you explain that to our listeners? Yes. Um, Prince Andrew and Prince Charles never got on. We had the same thing that he was second in line to the throne at one point, but Charles was the heir to the throne and they never got on well. And um, when Charles and Diana were splitting, Diana, so I've been told by a very, very good source, not Camilla, but a very, very close source that, um, I know I'm saying that now, but I mean that this is a very important thing, um, that she tried to get a deal with Andrew that they pushed Camilla out the way so that Andrew could be um, either the heir or he could actually um, bring it around for his children and um, Charles would be pushed aside. Wow. That's, that's pretty groundbreaking, especially considering what, you know, what ended up happening with, with him. Wow. Yes. That, that yeah. blows my mind. Um, I don't want to, move on to the next question if you have anything else to say about that but that just is shocking to me it is absolutely shocking but i think um prince andrew 
had his mother's ear. Um, mm -hmm. She was he was her favorite child, um, and he could sort of twist her around his little finger, and he saw then an opportunity for him to take over from Charles. The his, Charles's parents were slightly disappointed in him because he loved music, he loved reading, he's a sensitive man, whereas Andrew is a real man. He liked to play rugby, he was in the army, he um, played uh, golf, you know, he was more of what is a sort of very old-fashioned image of a man. Um, and he felt frustrated by it all. We I see promise. something similar. We see something similar in Prince Harry now, of course, mm -hmm. I'm very sad to say, um, in connection, you know, with uh, Prince William. Mm -hmm. wow. well, we're going to talk about Harry in just a second, but I, I promise I'm not stuck in the 1990s. I, if my questions are making it seem like I am, but I think. No, it doesn't. It doesn't seem that at all. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. So, I mean, I think sometimes about what I would have thought if someone would have told me in say 1995 that Camilla in just three months time from today would be crowned queen consort side by side Charles in the coronation at Westminster Abbey I mean you were in you were there in the 1990s Angela that's that's unbelievable to think that this would be happening based off of how it was at one point in in the story her image has been rehabilitated in maybe one of the most striking ways of anyone I can think of from being so vilified in the early 1990s. You talked a minute ago about her going to the supermarket. I mean, I just remember stories about people hurling tomatoes at her and hurling bread at her when she was no, at the store. Yeah, because she was so hated. And now she is pretty much a totally respected across the board, senior member of the royal family. And Let's face it, she's the future queen. In three months, she, she will be crowned. So how did we get from there to here? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I think if I sum it up in a, in a sentence, it's that it wasn't what she was like. It was what she was up against. Mm. And once that was um, in the past, she could show what she is really like. All the people I interviewed, all of them, when I asked how has she changed since she's become a royal, and they all said to me, she hasn't, she's just the same. And I said to them, look, I can't write this for 72 people saying this is, give me an idea of what has changed in her. And they said, you know, she hasn't changed actually, you can recognize her immediately and straight away she's not pretentious she doesn't put on a front she is she and I think that that's an indication of why uh, King Charles has stayed with her because he could see in her enormous depths and enormous love and enormous willingness to help others and um, that's why he wouldn't he wouldn't give in well, we never hear much about Camilla's two children, Tom and Laura. They're obviously both adults now with lives of their own, but I'm curious, how do they or do they at all fit in with the royal family? They didn't 
want to be involved in a royal family life. Now, this is really hard because the press will follow people and ask them and take photographs and not, but they wanted a different life. And that's one of the reasons why Camilla bought a house um, near one of their country homes so that she could go there and they could come in. They didn't have to feel um, awkward. They could make a noise. They could make a mess. They could go swimming in the garden and they could have more of a normal life. Um, her daughter specifically doesn't want to have um, any sort of spotlight. And her son, who is um, well known for dealing with cooking and writes cookery books, he gets around it in a very nice way. He's always saying, you know, she's my mother and when we're there, she cooks us lovely meals and, mm -hmm. you know, she's herself. And I think that um, that was a decision that they made. And actually, it's very interesting how if you really don't want to be part of the engagements um, or the spotlight, it can be done. Um, it was, she actually got to see something about ABBA with all her grandchildren just before Christmas. Mm. And it came out a few days later because no one really recognized her and she was dancing with her grandchildren. And so she she's a little um, uh, inspired to do things that they don't feel that they're being brought in. Um, they just have a lovely time with their grandmother. Mm. And um, they were, of course, at the Queen's funeral and they will be at the coronation. And they are, they're just there. They adore their mother. They both adore their mother. And she respects the fact that they don't want all the, uh, all the noise that goes with being a royal. Well, let me tell you someone that is not quiet <laughs> um, and that is speaking out is Prince Harry. And you've, you've written obviously a book about Harry in the past and in this current book, the book that we're talking about today, Harry is quoted as saying of his stepmother, to be honest, Camilla has always been very close to me and William. She's not a wicked stepmother. Look at the position she's coming into. Don't feel sorry for me and William. Feel sorry for her. She's a wonderful woman and she's made our father very, very happy, which is the most important thing. William and I love her to bits. So um, that, that quote is not the current words coming out of his mouth. That's not really the tune he took in spare or in the subsequent interviews he has done while speaking about her. So why is there such a dissonance there? I think that what he's doing is attacking everyone, mm -hmm. left, right, and center, um, to try and cope with what he feels about himself. That mm. I'm not a psychiatrist or anything like that, but the animosity he shows to everyone and his invasion of their privacy, he's done an awful lot to try and keep his own privacy. He's got about three or four cases waiting to be heard in the UK alone. And, um, but he doesn't think anyone else's matters. So I think this is a sign of actually him not being um, very well and actually having huge trouble with himself. Well, for our last question today, um, we want to talk to you a little bit more about Camilla. So she is almost five months into her reign as queen consort. How do you think she will do in this role? 
which we all know she'll hold for the rest of her life. I think she will do it very well. She's known it's been coming for a long time and she's prepared herself. She um, feels that her main role is to support her husband. That's what she wants to do. So she might be um, a little up back walking just a few steps behind him. That doesn't mean she feels inferior. That means that it's appropriate. She hasn't got an inferiority complex at all. Um, I don't think she will, well, I know she won't get involved in any of his work. It won't be a 50-50 job where she decides half things and he decides the other. He will decide everything, but she might give him a nudge because she, not he, has had a normal life for, until she was in her 50s. So she could say, well, I wonder if the public would think that that's not quite fair. And he will think about it and then decide. So she'd be very useful like that. She can make him happy when he feels stressed. Um, they, As I said before, they, they laugh a lot together. And um, she's solid. She's stable. She knows what she's doing. But she will do quite a lot on her own, like the domestic violence and various other charities that she cares very much for. Um, children who probably won't last the year, she makes a special party for them and um, gives them and their parents in the most amazing uh, afternoon just before Christmas. It's really moving. Um, and she's going to keep all those things up. And when she's there on her own, she's very powerful. She knows what she wants to do. She knows how to do it. And um, she doesn't feel that she's just there as a spare, really, um, a wife's spare. Um, she, she's got options for herself. Um, King Charles likes her to travel with him, despite the fact that she doesn't like flying. And, um, but, because he likes to be with her and she likes to be with him, so she gets over it. But if she feels very tired or she uh, has fewer engagements of her own while she's away, she will come back and see her family. And they have, a, a, you know, they work like a proper couple. Uh, but I think that if he needs her, she'll be absolutely there. And I think she's been absolutely there for Prince Charles, Prince Harry's very spiteful, unpleasant book, Spare. Well, listeners, Camilla from Outcast to Queen Consort is out now in the UK and out February 7th in the US. Angela, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. hope you enjoyed our interview with Angela Levin. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Podcast Royal. Email us at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please also give us a five-star rating. We always appreciate the kind reviews and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.